Welcome to the Scanning Realities with Navis podcast, the podcast that provides laser-focused insights into trends in the world of reality capture and the tools that can streamline solutions and mitigate potential challenges within data capture workflows. My name is Michael and full disclosure, I work at Navis as a team lead. Each episode, I'll be joined by experts involved in the world of reality capture, whether that is hands-on, in an adjacent field, or training the future generations of surveyors, designers, and engineers to explore how reality capture is changing the way we work. In today's episode, a closer look at reality capture in the energy industry. We will explore how innovations are evolving the ability of project teams, engineering firms, and facilities or plant owners to collaborate. We'll be sharing some expert views on the processes and technologies that already enable stakeholders to work together more seamlessly and intuitively. And today we'll be exploring this topic with two fantastic guests, David Murray, who's a project manager for Technip Energies with over 16 years of experience executing projects in the energy industry. David is a licensed structural engineer with a passion for revamp projects and laser scanning services. We're also joined by Glenn Kearns, a global data collection sales manager who's worked in the industry for 30 years and with Intertech for 16 years experienced with data collection technology, hardware and software in the process industry for around 25 years. So let's jump right into it with some quote unquote personal questions, guys. So to kick off, David, if you could explain to somebody maybe that you have just met at a conference or more informally at the pub, what is it that you do in your working life? Yes, of course. So I've seen it stated that an engineer is somebody who does precision guesswork based on unreliable data provided by those of questionable knowledge, see wizard. <laughs> so I would say that my career has illustrated this. You know, I started as a, a civil structural engineer with most of my time devoted to revamp projects. Essentially, I was part of a team that would meet with the client and help them design the upgrade or revamp to their facility. So in this industry, accurate records, they're just not available for these existing facilities. And the design codes, they've usually changed many times since the plant was installed. So to restate the original quote, our expertise is in providing precise engineer designs based on what information is available, provided by our clients who, they're not gonna have all the answers to our questions. So now I lead a team as a project manager continuing to help our clients with revamp projects and our team of engineering wizards. Great, thanks, David. And Glenn, over to you. How did you grow into the role that you currently do and, and what was your journey like as a career professional? Yeah, so I've spent most of my career working for folks like David at companies like Technip, uh, EPCs and the owner operators that we all work for, and primarily in finding the best way to get project data out in the field, how to collect that data efficiently and thoroughly and accurately and get that to the end client so that they can do their upgrade or retrofit projects. And then also for digital twinning. And so in the uh, 
20, 30 years that I've been in the business, it's been fun to see the evolution of technology and how far it's gone. And so I've spent a lot of my time following the new hardware and software innovations to, you know, change the uh, that mousetrap and watch and keep a good eye on these industry innovations and make sure that we can learn them, adapt, and apply them to our workflows so that we can give a better product to our client. Great. And hopefully everyone listening in is nice and excited to finally meet you two. You can see that we bring some great guests. And just on your point there, Glenn, the change in technology within the industry over the years where, where you've been present, could you talk a little bit about how reality capture specifically has changed over that time period? Well, you know, when laser scanning first came out, the data collection process took a bit longer it was, um, there weren't as many tools out there for one thing, and then to process the data and to get it to a deliverable, there just weren't that many options. And now, you know, fast forward to today, and there's a lot of hardware and software options out there, and mobile scanning has been one of them that we've watched, I've watched for many, many years. And I really haven't applied it just because I didn't think it was quite ready yet for uh, to turn those deliverables over to our client and be confident that they were going to be accurate and thorough. And uh, now I think we're there and it's been really fun, you know, being introduced to the Navis VLX mobile scanner. And we've we've been using it quite a bit with uh, the the more conventional scanning that we were originally introduced to. Great, thanks, Glenn. And I just need to clarify for everyone listening: we didn't pay you to say that. You you said that of your own right. accord. <laughs> it's all true. Yep, it's all true. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> and then I guess back over to you, David. So you know, we we've just spoken about the speed and the change in technology just in the field and being able to capture more accurately and effectively than ever before. But there's also other elements around the collaboration potential that we see with reality capture technologies. How does that manifest itself in your current work? Yeah, I would say that there's a real opportunity with this this step change that Glenn was touching on. In the past, we would work with a client on a very specific project. We'd be called in to provide this service on their capital projects to help them achieve a revamp or a retrofit or a, a planned increase to one of their, their units. But now, given the speed at which we can obtain this data and the cost effectiveness of it, what we're seeing now is that these clients may change their thinking in terms of how they approach laser scanning. Instead of just using it on capital projects, they may expand it to their, their maintenance and their operations groups so what that means to us is that they may come in very early and, and ask a, uh, a provider of this technology to come in and scan their entire facility. And they may make it part of a yearly update to them rather than brought in for a specific one-time capture. They may incorporate it into their either yearly or monthly planning for their, their facilities. Yeah, for sure. That is definitely things that we're also seeing out in the field ourselves. And I guess maybe also to take a step back, even if we're thinking of, 
you know, during construction. We hear that around 98% of mega projects suffer from cost overruns and 77% of them actually end up with delays. One of the biggest reasons for that is the lack of collaboration on such projects. And I maybe wanted to touch on some factors that may be preventing some of these different stakeholders from collaborating effectively. David, is there anything that you see as a, you know, an obvious area where improvements could be made? Yeah, so when it comes to managing our, our projects, and we'll say specifically mega projects, a lot of it boils down to communication. And so one of the things that we can help our clients with is clearly communicating the issues in the field back to the, the engineers and managers in the office. And so I think that's where reality capture helps us. And, and piggybacking off my previous point, by making this a more routine part of our clients' processes, this can be a clear way of communicating the issues in the field to everybody associated on the project and the stakeholders of those projects. So it's, it's exciting to see the potential which is there given the, the step change in technology. Yeah, great. Thank you. And I guess to push it back to you, Glenn, on a slightly similar topic around these mega projects where you know, they're fraught with numerous political, logistical and even financial challenges. And we've spoken about the increased frequency of reality capture, being able to capture something on site and reduce the lag time between stakeholders having access to some type of data. How does some of the complex processes that exist within mega projects, how, how are they altered? Are there different workflows or use cases that appear by using reality capture data? Yeah, so again, further to David's point, you know, to find a way to share information quickly and to make sure that that information is accurate and is, you know, the latest that's available, whether it's at the, uh, you know, you've got a lot of times on these mega projects, you've got multiple sites, you've got fabrication, multiple fabrication yards where modules are being built, for example, and then you've got the site where they're prepping the new area and building the foundations to receive those modules and to be able to capture large amounts of the latest data quickly and get that data processed and available for the, the clients and all the stakeholders, like David said, to, to view and to collaborate on without having to make all these repeat trips to the field as these projects evolve both at the site and at the fabrication yards is a huge advantage. And then to your point about um, problems that projects might have with uh, design and let's say the, the more, if you use more conventional means for these types of projects, a lot of those are mitigated now that you can do these digital simulated virtual uh, fit ups. So you can provide integration assurance for those modules, for those equipment packages and other uh, pipe spools and, and, and complex components prior to them actually being delivered to the site. You can capture all the data at the uh, remote locations, virtually bring those together, uh, fit them together, so to speak, and uh, find 
problems and errors that, that would have popped up had you not been able to implement that type of workflow. And this is huge because at the end of the day, the client is on a lot of these mega projects, they're, you know, they're building an asset that is going to generate large amounts of uh, revenue. And for every day that there's a delay and, and then the cascading delays and the butterfly effect of something not fitting, if we're still t- uh, on that topic, mm-hmm. there's uh, e- even just a, a few problems found during this process can can really pay dividends in the end. Okay, that's really interesting. So not just actually live on the construction site, but reality capture playing a significant role through different parts of the stream of construction. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, if I could add, so the technology, the innovations of how you can now easily tag external data into the reality capture scan data that you collected is a, a great leap in the right direction as well, because now not only can you virtually meet, but you can have those Word documents, spreadsheets, databases, uh, files, uh, videos, whatever that you would typically use to share that would lend themselves to the, the various project activities, you can hyperlink directly geolocated into the scan data. And this is, this is really helpful, whereas you were talking about the evolution you know, originally you capture the scan data, you give it to a design company, and they're using it for clash detection and interference. Well, now you can use it for much more. It's a one-stop shop for all of your project-related asset information. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, really interesting, Glenn. You know, so much different use cases throughout the construction lifestyle from prefabrication to things being constructed in situ to them playing a significant role with asset management and, you know, it sounds like operation and maintenance manuals can finally go digital instead of being a large pile of PDFs. David, is this something that you experienced as well? Very much so. I'm passionate about this subject. The The Ivion tool that we've been allowed to use with the most recent project is really groundbreaking in terms of what we can do. So everything Glenn just said is, is right on point. So I, I'd like you to imagine a operator in an operating unit who he might be walking up to a piece of equipment and he may want to pull information related to that equipment, whether they're engineering drawings or specs, manuals, you name it. Now he could pull an iPad out. He can navigate to this point using the Ivion tool, which is that that reality capture we've been talking about. And we, he can have a point of interest, which is linked to that piece of equipment and by clicking on it, have access to all of that information that he's looking for. And that information is shared simultaneously through any number of people on the project who can make live updates, they can make comments. This is crystal clear communication between the site, between the engineers in the office, between the fab yards on a level that we haven't had before. And it's, I, I couldn't say enough about this. This is very, very useful. And it's very different from the way we have used this technology in the past. Just to add on to what David said, you know, we, we've used the Ivion tool as well. And it's very important for, you know, these vendors for the software and hardware to be flexible and nimble. 
and and for to to get feedback from the techniques and the intertechs and the companies like us to say, hey, could you add this feature? Could you add this function? And we've seen that, and we've even been able to work. Uh, with our programmers and the um, and the Navis programmers to customize through the API layer the Ivion environment, so uh, and and just to further being able to synchronize in both directions asset and inspection information. So yeah, having the tool and the uh, the features and in, in the software is is a great thing to see for all of these vendors out there in the reality capture space but having them also be agreeable to be again flexible and nimble and and let us help them customize the environment has been huge so watch the we have seen it in the automotive industry where companies will own their own digital twins but then contracting different providers to perform the reality capture. Is that similar to how it works in the energy industry today, where a lot of the capture is outsourced? Or do you guys also have to own and manage the digital twins for your clients? I've seen it both ways. I've worked with a client who owns their own equipment and they perform their own data capture at at their own pace. But it's at least in my experience, it's more common for our clients to to contract this work out and associate it with their capital projects. So moving forward, it'll be interesting to see if they take advantage of the the cheaper costs associated with this technology and if they will take on themselves the the data capture, but also use it in a broader application. Mm-hmm. They may want to own their own equipment. They may want to set up their own processes for capturing this information at regular in- intervals so that they have a evergreen digital twin and that they have a clear picture, whether you're in the site or the office, of, of what their facilities look like. So the, the clients today generally receive the data and because it's of you know, greater detail, higher fidelity than ever before, there's more use cases available to them. But they're, as you said, they're, David, contracting a lot of this capture out to companies like yourselves. And I just wanted to have an understanding of the cost change. So in the past, using traditional technologies, how much would it have costed your firm to go and collect the data as opposed to today? So I'll I'll speak to that. Um, In the past, using what we call terrestrial scanning, they would go... To, they would send a, a contractor to the field who would set up their scanners on tripods and they would collect information using that method. Using the mobile scanner, it's transitioned from having to have set points on tripods to having somebody simply walk through the facility collecting the data as he walks. And by doing so, he's able to collect uh, the information faster, uh, but he's safer and he's... Uh, it requires less effort and therefore less cost. So just a quick comparison between methods. Uh, in my experience, I've seen that the cost savings from moving from terrestrial scanning to mobile scanning can be in the range of about a 75% cost savings doing the mobile scanning. Now, this doesn't give you the same accuracy you can get using terrestrial scanning, or at least that has been the case. But with the, the newest improvements in the mobile scanning, I think we're getting to the point where the mobile scanning is as accurate as a terrestrial scanning, or at least accurate enough for the, the intended use case. 
I'd like to to pass this one to Glenn, ask him to comment on this as well. So Glenn, do you have any comments on the, the benefits of the, the mobile scanning? Yeah, so we definitely, you know, we've got a large fleet of scanners from, you know, uh, the mainstream providers of hardware out there that have the latest technology for capturing as much data as quickly as you can and as precisely as you can. But to your point, of comparing tripod-based scanning to mobile scanning, if you can imagine your eyes are, are at each location where that tripod, where that scanner set up on the tripod, well, there's a finite number of locations that you can set, that you're going to set up just purely for uh, time constraints. With the mobile scanner, you're constantly moving and you can move in and out of these congested areas. And of course, you'll be at, at every one of those locations where the tripod was set up, but then you can get all these other perspectives and angles as well. And then, you know, with the mobile scanner, it's nice to be able to, you know, typically it sits on your shoulders. You can take it off of your shoulders and you can stick it in difficult to access locations. So, yeah, there's quite an advantage. And there's a space for using both mobile scanning and the tripod-based scanning together. And we've been able to do that successfully and safely and combine the data from both of those. But, yes, there's, um, there are definitely projects that where we're, we're, our clients are willing to use scanning where they just would not have in the past because it's too costly. Well, now you can do it with mobile scanning for certain applications because you capture the data quicker and you get the, uh, um, and thus, you know, we're charging, you know, less uh, labor hours. And so it is a cost savings to the client. Great. So, we're reducing the missing data. We're removing data occlusions in the final product, meaning it's a more complete data set. It sounds like we're able to capture the data faster, but also more economically efficient than ever before. Yeah, thanks for the input, guys. Well, the mobile VLX, it lets you get into tight areas where we couldn't get into them before easily with the tripod. And I think one of the things that you may not be aware of is that our clients are hyper-focused on safety in their industry. It is, it is the first priority. And not just for them, it's for us as well. We're, we're, we, if we can't do the work safely, we're not going to do it at all. And by reducing the hours in the field, you are actually improving safety. And to our clients, they will consider that even more than the cost. If you can reduce hours in the field, and tell them that they now have a safer execution of their project, that's going to carry even greater weight than the cost savings. No, that's a great point. You're absolutely right. In fact, when I guess I should have mentioned it, but that's always part of our explanation of one of the key advantages to mobile scanning is minimizing potentially hazardous man hours in the field. So, uh, David and Glenn, does that touch on the data capture, having quick data capture, having that additional bonus to the safety element, but is it also impacted by a reduced number of people that need to visit sites because you have an accurate digital twin? Yes to everything. You will spend less hours in the field collecting the, the scan data and you will send less people to the field once you have that scan data. 
It will improve safety simply by pulling hours from the field. This is important to our clients that we work safely. And, and when you see what the operational teams do in those facilities to keep them running and to keep them running safely, then you will realize that anytime you enter their unit for a capital project, let's say, let's say you're trying to scan, you're, you're an outsider coming in and you bring a disruption when you come in and they, they take great pains to make sure that you will not disrupt their, their operation of the unit when you're there. So yes, anytime we send somebody to these facilities, we're introducing a risk factor that needs to be managed by that operational team. So by pulling those hours out of the field, it's a savings to cost, certainly, but it's also going to increase the safety of that unit. Glenn and I both love looking at the, uh, the finished product. We love looking mm -hmm. at the, in Glenn's case, he's going to love showing pictures of modules coming off barges, which is an impressive sight, and then being able to capture that. And then once you capture it, you now have a digital image of, of this that you can present to the client. You can show it off in many different ways. You can make sure it's interfacing correctly when it's installed. I mean, there's so much potential here. So the, Glenn's got these modules in his mind. I've got some of these, these nasty... Uh, nasty is not a great word to use, but there's there's these plants that have been operating for over 60 years where you can't go back to the engineering drawings from the 1960s and look at them and have any expectation that those drawings reflect reality when you walk out to the field. They've been running this plant for 60 years. They've made changes. The The original engineer design is not, uh, is not the reality any longer. And so having a, a, the scan data capture is absolutely critical for us being able to make any modifications to that original design. Hmm. I think I know somebody who could help you out with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Got off on my sales. I can't help it. It's all good. It's no, all good. Can... I'd be using the opportunity as well. <laughs> Great. Wicked guys, uh, it's going to be hard for our listeners to believe that there's no paid promotions here, but I do, I do <laughs> promise everyone listening that that's the case. Thank you, David, and, and thank you, Glenn, both for joining us today. You've shared some fascinating thoughts and ideas around the energy industry and the topics that we've discussed. And listeners undoubtedly found what both of you said incredibly interesting. I definitely did. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We've covered an awful lot today with how reality capture within the energy industry can really change workflows that are already in place, create new workflows and ways of working that have never existed before. And with this mindset change to adopt newer technologies, really grow the energy industry faster and more efficiently than ever before. you've enjoyed today's episode please do like and subscribe and you can find our older episodes on any podcast service that you use thank you again for spending your time with us and we'll see you next time